Okay, welcome to, I think this is episode four. It is indeed. Of the Birdie Bug Pod. <coughs> yeah, so... Quick catch up, quick normal catch quick up. catch up. I think you should start because you have the far more exciting news. <laughs> I, yeah, I did have an exciting day. What day is it today? Sunday. Sunday. I had a very exciting day on Friday, um, which I did post on my Instagram page saying, you know, uh, irony. Who was it that sang, sang about, isn't that ironic? I think it was um, um, Alanis Morissette. No, that's not who I thought it was going to be. <laughs> she did a song about ironic. We went all the way to Mull, didn't we? Isle of Mull. It was yeah. a very long journey. Back in that June. was that was a long drive. Fantastic place. I don't regret going there for one minute to see and photograph. Hopefully, a white-tailed eagle, which we did the, manage. We managed, and it was an amazing moment. The fourth largest bird of prey in the world. Largest UK. Largest bird in of the prey. UK. My first ever wild eagle. And um, it was an amazing moment that we when we saw that. And it turns out you didn't need to. There I was on Friday walking down the beautiful banks of the River Arran in Arundel, 15-minute drive from where I live. And um, there I was, I was actually pointing my camera down at some reed beds. I've been trying desperately to get a photograph of a Chetty's warbler, which is a little bird that scrubs around in the reeds and you very rarely see them but you hear them because it's a bit like a when a dj does a scratching record that's yeah. a bit that's what they sound like so i heard this chetty's and i'm pointing my camera seeing the movement in the reeds trying to get this chetty's warbler and then something made me look up and i think it almost blocked out the sun this bird massive bird being pursued by jackdaws and I suddenly realised it wasn't a big buzzard. It was actually a white-tailed eagle. And Which I, is insane. I did say in my Instagram post, I did shout the F word out rather loud as I struggled to change my settings and everything and point this, point the camera at the bird and try and get this shot, which I did. And it was an incredible moment. Um, so that was about as much excitement as I could take for a yeah, day. Yeah, white-tailed eagle on the south coast. Uh, it was an amazing thing. I mean, I know they reintroduced them over on the Isle of Wight, so I was guessing it was one of the yeah, Isle of Wight Yeah, I have seen a few... I think Keyhaven, which is obviously where I've taken you, I think people have spotted and posted it on the Facebook page that, oh, white-tailed eagle over Keyhaven, which, I mean, you can actually stand and see the Isle of Wight from, from yes. there, so it makes sense. And so they do drift over into Hampshire in particular. Well, I think they've then, gone... The, the but, Isle of Wight birds, which I, I know they've tagged and they track, have gone as far down as Cornwall. But amazingly when they first introduced them on the isle of wight i watched a program about it um the male bird i think had been on the isle of wight a week and it off it went and it traveled all the way up to scotland yeah i think i remember you telling me it did a two-week tour of the, the united kingdom i think came went all the way up to scotland came down the east coast all the way down through norfolk and people were seeing it on in trees and on lampposts not really understanding what it was because it's a massive bird, yeah. um, so they do, they do go on stretch their little wings holidays, a bit, little yeah. holidays. So, but it was an amazing moment. It was an amazing moment on the Isle of Mull. But to see it in locally in, in Arundel was just, uh, yeah, that 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 finished me off for the day. Yeah, it took me a long time to get the photo off you because you just kept sending me a text saying you're not going to believe what I've seen, and I had to keep <laughs> asking what, and you just wouldn't tell me. Um, yeah, I did tease you a little bit on that yeah, one, that, didn't I? That was 
well incredible news yes. uh, to see so yeah so that that's I don't need anything else so what about you um, I haven't been out looking for too many insects which is not great I need to do a little bit more photography but I did go for a nice walk with some friends down the river Itchen yesterday actually and um, saw my first ever wild crayfish and wow. I've just never seen one before. I don't think I've ever seen they one they obviously look like little lobsters mm. and uh, we looked through just through the water and it was just sort of walking around on the riverbed and I've never just seen one just ambling about at the and it was of just river. one it wasn't yeah like it was a... just one just wow. and it was bigger than I thought and it was um it wasn't the native species so we have one native crayfish called the white claw uh which has been I think on the protected endangered list since like oh I can't remember I think it's the 80s um so for a long time and, and they're not really uh, very common. I think my friend said that one of the few places you can still see them is actually in Bristol. Uh, it was the North American signal crayfish, which is an invasive one. And since there's a bit like a grey and red squirrel situation, since they've come over, our native species has sort of vanished. And it's because I th- I'm pretty confident they brought a disease over, which our crayfish... Oh, so it's a bad thing. Yeah, so mm. the, our, our native species is um, really, really rare and is a red list species. But Beyond the fact that it wasn't our, our native species, it was just cool to see a, a crayfish yeah, no, definitely. rocking about. And so, so that was it, really. I did take my, my camera to do some photography and didn't really see. I mean, I saw a kestrel and a, and a, and a kingfisher, but very briefly and not enough to, to get a good shot. But the crayfish, weirdly, was actually the highlight because it was just a bit of a surprise. Amazing. That's an amazing thing to see. Not as amazing, I will say, as my white tail. No, not, not quite. Over Arundel, but yeah, it's still good. It was, it's it, good. I've got, at least I had something. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's yeah. caught us up. Yeah, I think um, so. So the episode, we you're I've gathered by the title, are talking about litter and waste. And I'm going to have to apologise for doing like a little prologue just to clarify a couple of things. Because it is one of those topics, I think, that sort of ends up in the same bracket as flying or like transport in general and stuff where it, the, the individual member of public is not, the main culprit when it comes to waste uh so we can talk quite a lot about you know beach cleans and litter picking and that sort of stuff and and people can quite justifiably come back with the argument of what difference does it make if we keep an eye on not throwing litter out of our car when you've got all of the massive industries producing a lot more plastic and stuff than than we ever would uh so i just wanted to sort of start by saying that I think it requires action on both fronts. And so I want—I don't want it to be too much of a doom and gloom episode. And I've got quite a lot of like the hopeful side in this one and, and what needs to be done and what people are doing. But I still think saying that the industries are more at fault than the individual doesn't let us off the hook. No, it, it definitely doesn't. And there's always, uh, there's always things that we can do, even on a small level. Yeah. And we've said so many times... If everyone takes a small step, then those small steps collectively make a big step, yeah. and they do make a, a difference. And again, I don't obviously I don't want it to become an episode where we're just um, saying, "Oh, people should do X, Y, and Z." So again, it's not like a, a preach thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the impacts litter, in particular, has on the environment, which I didn't know until I started doing a little bit of research. Yeah. Beyond the fact that nobody likes to see it, but like, what's it actually doing for the environment, which is bad. Um, some of the main culprits are like what is the worst stuff that people are dropping what is the the majority of our of our um, sort of literary waste and then 
a fair amount is is some of the cool stuff that's going on and and when we say that we need societal change what does that yeah. actually translate yeah, I to? think I think it's a good thing to chat about and again we 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 don't we won't ever do this podcast meaning to be preachy in any way at all do we? no because we're definitely not sitting here as zero waste or, or, people yeah, exactly or political i don't ever want to get political because that just is not what this podcast is all about it's just us having a chat about the things that are going on in the world and maybe some of the small things that we can do to yeah to, and i also to help it and think be beneficial from two people who love wildlife this is something that impacts our native wildlife massively more than I actually realised until I did the research. So it's also from the point. See, we both love. We've got the birds and the bugs, and this is something that we need to do to save the birds yeah, and, and the I'm, bugs. And I'm guessing in this episode, that's probably more my focus than anything else is the impact it has on the birds and the wildlife. Yeah. And, so and um, but but other things as well. But. That will do for the little preamble. I just wanted to yeah. make sure that it wasn't coming across as trying to put the blame on the people and not the the industries. But um, okay. I thought we'd kick it off with some terrifying stats. Yeah. And do you know what? When I started doing the research on this, it's pretty terrifying. It does none of it makes good reading. No, it doesn't. And but that's the same for quite a lot of the the topics that we tackle. Um, so I've got some stats for the UK and a few for the globally. globally. Yeah. Okay. Um, so oh. I thought we'd start off with the fact that um, one of the biggest offenders, and I don't think it's a surprising fact, are the end of cigarettes. Obviously. Yeah, I must admit, I didn't realise the cigarette butt thing was so impactful and so bad yeah i think it's it's, I mean, it's a bit like chewing gum as well isn't yeah it? That, and i've always wondered how typically if you're in like a group of friends or something and somebody was to throw a crisp packet on the floor that person would probably get a bit of stick for it but it's such a habitual and sort of almost socially acceptable thing to flick the end of your cigarette anywhere yeah um out but, of car windows yeah exactly example. i see that quite a lot uh that actually 226 million cigarette butts are dropped on the floor every year in in England. So that's not the whole of UK. That's that's just in in England. Wow. Um, and I thought that might have been reduced reducing because of the fact that people are vaping <laughs> yeah. now rather than. Well, interestingly, and perhaps more terrifyingly, is one of the most common vapes is called an Elf Bar. Right. And they're I think they're about four quid. And they're like a big plastic tube. And they are dis- quote-unquote disposable. And there's actually a, a potential, this is a bit off topic now, but there's a potential push to try and look up the legal definition of disposable. Yeah. Because people are using them and throwing them on the floor. And rather than, I will talk a little bit about why a cigarette butt is so bad for the for the environment. But this is a tube of plastic with a lithium battery in it. <laughs> It doesn't get much worse. No, so see. people are saying, if that's disposable, can I call my laptop disposable and just throw that anywhere? And so there's there's a push to see whether or not they can legally combat the use of the term disposable when it comes to a vape. Right. But unbelievably, people will finish one and then just lob it into uh, a book. It doesn't surprise me at all. Looking at how much rubbish people throw around, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so, yeah, so cigarette butts are up there. I think they're like number one... If you do a, a litter pick anywhere in, in the UK, especially in a city, they are the most commonly found piece of litter. Right. Closely behind are often plastic bottles. And so I think the month-long uh, like green campaign done by the CPRE, and they're the 
countryside protection something something charity uh, i think they collected 11,000 odd bottles and cans during that one month um in general just as a whole umbrella it's 2.25 million pieces of litter are dropped on streets every single day oh, have you got that for the uk yeah I've, I've got yeah i've got two million pieces so uh, of pieces of litter i don't know how they calculate that do they do, uh, do it would normally how? be it'd be one of those extrapolated figures where they will do a survey across a variety of points and then add it up and extrapolate it for the rest of the country so it won't be an exact figure it'll be an approximate thing no it's a bit like again this is something we'll talk about a bit further on but it's a bit like i read there are supposedly five trillion pieces of plastic in the world's oceans and i'm thinking (laughs) that's some calculation isn't it it will be uh they'll sample an area and then five trillion pieces of plastic uh and then so we've also got Again, from an organisation called Planet Patrol, which is someone I'll talk about towards the end when we talk about the the good uh, sort of organisations doing things against this uh, this problem. Some of their stats were 1.3 billion tons of plastics are projected to spill out into the environment in the next 20 years. Um, globally, land origin plastic costs the economy about 19 billion every year, which interestingly, again from Network Rail. Um, it costs £2.3 million every year to clear fly tipping. So it's a really costly thing, if, even if you it look is away from thing. the I, environment. I've got, yes, I've got some, I've got some um, stats about the fact that it costs a billion pounds a year just to clean the streets up, and that yeah. cost has escalated uh, or increased quite dramatically over the last 10, 15 years, and it seems to be going up every year because more and more litter is being dropped which is costing the taxpayer. It's costing you and me a lot of money, uh, a lot of money every year, £35 per household um, to just clean the streets. Yeah, so, so it's one of those issues that has an impact that's very widespread. So it impacts the economy from that point of view. Environmentally, we often look at litter and, and, and plastics on the floor. And, and I think most people agree that from a visual perspective, they, they tarnish our green spaces and cities and nobody really likes to see it but one of the issues is as they do very gradually begin to degrade they just leak chemicals into the soil and the water uh, and the air as well Uh, and so from an environmental point of view which we'll go into a little bit more once we've sort of come to the end of some stats and stuff that that's one of the main issues and then even from a health point of view again they can impact our our health and actually i don't know the study because i saw the headline this morning when i woke up but i think I've forgotten the stat. It's a terrifying percentage of breast milk has been found to have microplastics in it. Uh, microplastics, and there's another Yeah, it could be a whole subject. episode yeah, in itself. Uh, it but the fact is. that microplastics are so ingrained in our environment that they're in breast milk shows the fact that... Well, I also read this morning, funnily enough, that microplastics have been found both in the Arctic and the Antarctic, which are supposedly meant to be you know, squeaky clean places yeah. and untarnished places by pollution. Microplastics have been found widely in those two areas, which is disturbing. Yeah, it is It is worrying mm. how widespread the problem is. Um, so have you got any other little stats that you these, wanted to these, spit out? These stats are awful, aren't they? Yeah. 60% of water pollution is attributed to litter. And as you were saying, the, the chemicals and the, the toxins that are given off as litter 
uh, sort of degrades. Degrades. It washes into our, our waterways and our, our groundwater. Um, what else have I got? Um, 2.5 billion disposable coffee cups are binned in the UK alone every year. Yeah, I think because... Um, 2.5 billion. Back, in, back on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, uh, whatever the 3rd of October was, uh, was no disposable cup day. Ah, yeah. And I think uh, it, it's it's become more of a push this campaign since the pandemic because i think i mentioned whichever episode it was that pre-pandemic we were getting into quite a good habit of taking our own cups to coffee yes, shops it was, it was our coffee episode yeah. wasn't it and then during when lockdown began to ease they didn't want the physical contact of handing cups over um and then back and yeah. forth and so they went back to disposable ones and now that we're past that the push is to get back in, into that habit. But doing the research for that little social day, yeah, 7 million uh, disposable cups are used can, every day in the UK and around 500,000 end up on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can give you some horrible stats about... Um, all of this is a bit doom and despair. These, it will get stats, cheerier towards the end. Um, about the impact on wildlife. For example, every year... 1 million seabirds, 100,000 sea mammals, turtles and fish are killed by plastic in the oceans. Yeah. That's an awful But again, uh, this is another statistic that's quite relevant to the little preamble I gave because often you get things that are demonised like plastic straws. And now plastic straws are bad. I'm not really sure we need straws for most of our drinks. We, we don't use them at home with our glass of water. I don't know why we need it with a Coke at a restaurant. That's a good point. Um, however, 70% of the macro so not micro the big pieces of plastic in the seas is from discarded fishing gear and of all the waste that causes death to marine life most of it is fishing gear uh, so again yeah we all need to play our part in not throwing away plastic straws but there is a larger issue at hand when it comes to the the death of marine animals yeah. um one more stat 15 million tons of rubbish from our homes go to landfill every year 15 million tonnes. This is a terrible... Landfill uh, sites are terrible for creating greenhouse gases. Diseases. Diseases, <laughs> toxic substances that pollute the soil. I mean, a lot of the electronic stuff that's dumped on landfill gives out some awful chemical toxins. Yeah, and actually, to be fair, I have planned a potential episode at some point on e-waste. So, yeah. Because, uh, again, it's this is a very large topic um it's a massive and topic and we and we could sit here throwing and chat. facts we could throw facts out like this awful facts out for the, for the whole of the episode yeah and, um, and we could sit and chat about it all day this this particular episode i wanted to focus a lot on say the litter point of view but yeah. in future episodes we may talk more about you know food waste or e-waste yeah. or all those sorts of stuff so done with your stats i think that's i think that's i think it's enough stats i think yeah. people would have switched off now and gone and done something a bit more fun um so what I've found, again, sad but a bit interesting was the fact that I didn't realise some of the effect on our terrestrial uh, wildlife. And so we often hear about things like how water voles have struggled, as well as a lot of our other sort of small rodenty creatures. Yeah. Um, and this is frequently sort of attributed to things like agriculture and destruction of habitats. However... Keep Britain Tidy, which is another fantastic organisation. Oh, that's we'll one talk of the ones I've got on a my little list bit later. At, at, the, uh, at the end, yeah. Yeah, they did uh, a study looking at litter, particularly litter that was in like um, roadsides and laybys, 
and they actually found that it could be killing up to 3.2 million shrews, voles, and mice each year. So I have got a wow. few more stats. And that along the roadsides and laybys, they found that 8% of bottles and almost 5% of cans had the remains of some of these small mammals. And some of them are quite rare as well. So the pygmy shrews and bank voles are, are not abundant creatures, and they were finding their remains in lay-by bottles and beyond that being sad from the mouse and the vole point of view the fact they're wildlife that shouldn't have to um, worry about that it also removes quite an important food source for our birds of prey yes yeah is the other impact so it has a compounding effect on on this is all is this all litter that's been thrown out of car windows which honestly i just i mean there are a lot of things in this world i don't understand i don't understand quantum physics i don't understand the size of space in the universe that that is just does my head in i don't understand how harry Maguire is a premier league footballer but i also don't understand why people do that why do people do that not sure that's a social you know, study in a car in where they can take the litter home why are they throwing it out of a car window i just i, yeah, it's I baffling. don't understand that um but yeah okay, beyond the aesthetic point and the environmental point of the the issues that can have from chemical leak and and things not decomposing it has a very direct impact on the wildlife because i think quite often when we talk about plastics in the ocean and microplastics things that take a long long time to have a effect environmentally it's one of those far future issues that sometimes people maybe struggle to connect with because it's a it's such a long time span whereas these are having very, very direct, immediate yeah. effects on the local wildlife. They might crawl into the bottle for drink or for yeah. food or something like that and then can't get back out. It essentially acts like a little mousetrap. Um, so beyond yeah, beyond that being sad from an ecological point of view for the mouse, it also impacts the food chain for our birds of prey. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but back to the cigarette butts. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we started, yeah. Cigarette butts. Tell me more about so, cigarette butts. One of the reasons they're so detrimental is that they look a little bit like a morsel of food so if they're floating in water uh, fish will zoom up from the surface and and grab them a bit like they would an insect yeah um birds obviously it doesn't look dissimilar to a bit of floating bread yeah something like that and so they've been found in the stomachs of, of a lot of, of a, a real variety from fish to mammals to birds uh so they are literally being consumed um as I mentioned right at the start, they are one of the most littered items on the planet. But one of the, the issues with them is that the filters are made from cellulose acetate. So a little bit of sciencey stuff. Um, and essentially this plastic only degrades under quite severe conditions. And so it's not something that just will biodegrade readily. You wouldn't have thought, would you? Everybody, I would imagine, would think that a cigarette butt would just... Sort of di- biodegrade. A bit like paper, you yeah. know, would just biodegrade but really quickly. It is actually a type of plastic. Right. Um, and so that means they are very long-lasting. The other issue that really comes with cigarettes, and again, people will probably know this from all the anti-smoking um, materials, but there's a lot of chemicals in, yeah. in a cigarette. Even nicotine can be quite bad for the environment. And so as it does gradually degrade, or if there's stuff beyond the filter, it contains a variety of things which are toxic to wildlife. So if they do end up eating them, it's particularly bad beyond the fact that they've got plastic in, in their stomachs. But it can impact soil health and water, changing the acidity, all sorts of things like that. So considering they are the most littered item on the planet, they're also 
particularly dangerous because they last a long time and they're full of a variety Are of things. Are they the most littered item on the planet? Think, Even more so than a plastic bottle? Yeah, because if you think of how many people smoke and how many I cigarettes guess, yeah. go through every day, and I think we see a lot of bottles on the floor, but there is, as I said, there's definitely more of a societal norm to flick the end of your cigarette yeah, butt no. than there is to throw your bottle on the floor. Yeah, no, it's up I, there. That's, I think that's something that I wouldn't have um, wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. I've got to be honest. And I can't remember where in like the top five or top ten it comes, but the other one, like you said, that comes quite close is gum. Um, yeah, because you 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 hear more about gum because obviously I guess it's more noticeable in town centres and things on the pavements and yeah, um, maybe it's more noticeable than cigarette butts. And and gum's an interesting one as well, to be fair, because I wasn't too clued up on how many of your commercial gums have plastic in them no you did tell me that i've stopped yeah. eating gum now. so a lot of gum, a lot of gum say. has plastic which means again it doesn't biodegrade and considering we all know how bad it is for us to swallow it it's then also not good for for animals to swallow it uh, there are actually a few companies one's called nude n-u-u-d which i think was a dragon's den um pitch and they are a plastic free biodegradable yes gum. I, I vaguely remember that um, episode. and there was another one that called like choosy i think um and i can't say i've really tried them because I, I don't tend to chew gum but so that people are trying to remove the plastic uh from, from chewing gum uh but yeah cigarette butts are the up at the right at the top um and so the one that I mentioned nicotine, the other one was a uh, ethyl phenol is, is another chemical in cigarette butts which causes well, when you think issues. about it a cigarette filter a cigarette butt is is designed to filter out all yeah. the bad stuff coming through the, the smoke of a cigarette yeah and so it collects in that and so it collects all the tar and all the chemicals in that filter yeah. so and i can't again it's it's a, an interesting stat and they didn't actually have like um the number of fish or anything like that but not a very nice study if you had a bucket of water with fish in it and you drop i think it was like five cigarette butts in whatever the amount of liter of water was half the fish would die within a few weeks because wow. of the change it had within the yeah. the water chemistry don't quote me on the exact numbers there because like it was a yeah it was an actual test that they did so there there uh that one is something that the public can actually have an impact on because how you dispose of your cigarette butt is very much in your own hands if there are cigarette bins dotted about just not on the floor essentially is is what we're going for well, so that's maybe, a maybe very there's not enough cigarette bins in town centers possibly. and shopping malls and well, in, you can't smoke in shopping no. malls anymore but interestingly i saw it was in spain and uh maybe people just need a little bit of an incentive because what they had was like a big see-through bin i guess is what you'd call it and it had two channels and at the top it said who is the best footballer in the world one was messi and one was ronaldo and so people went and voted with their cigarette oh, that's and there was like a lot idea. in there and so it, people like to put their opinion or, or comment on these things and so it incentivized people to go and be like messi's better i'll put it in that one and so it was a way of getting that's people a really to good use idea it. So though isn't it you could pop those up in cities of yeah who's going to win the premier league this year or whose music do you like better and people could go and just be like sort of Ed Sheeran's better and stick it through the little however little the problem thing. with that is you've got to persuade the councils to yeah. to to engage in that activity but it was an interesting solution was to was yeah. to try and find a way to make people want want to put it not on the floor just find a uh, yeah a new option as i just thought it was quite clever yeah not it's obviously got to be cheaper to to empty a, a specific cigarette bin yeah 
rather than clean them off the street. Or so have from to a, sort through it all. Yeah, so from a council point of view, it's also a cost-saving yeah. thing. But I just thought it was a clever idea. I think that's a um, good idea. People like to weigh in on these little, yeah. little debates. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one. And I hadn't actually got in my notes uh, the e-cigarettes, and again, perhaps a topic for an e-waste episode, but on the eco-Twitter, essentially, people are posting more and more pictures of these quote-unquote disposable vapes that have just been dumped and so are they going to become the the new issue are they going to end up becoming one of the most lifted um fit items in the world and how do we how do we stop that and again they are potentially more difficult to deal with because of the battery component yes um yeah which is again something i was going to talk about i might skip down my list a little bit of what i've just titled flaming litter (laughs) Flaming litter is that on your list? I can't see it on your it's list. It's not on my on the agenda. It's on my research. <laughs> okay, well let's do it. Let's let's. So flaming litter. Let's live on the edge. Come on. Is <laughs> stuff that could cause fire essentially? Cigarette butts being one of them. Yeah. Discarded batteries being another. If yeah. uh, batteries get very very hot, yeah. can cause fire. But the the. One of the reasons why you're not allowed to take them onto an aeroplane. I think. Yes, um, <laughs> and I think it's another reason why you're supposed to not put them in your normal recycling bin or something because when it gets crushed, there's a chance of them essentially blowing up. Yes, I think you're not allowed to post them either yeah. in case they get crushed and so there's blow the post van up. bunch of stuff like that. But the flaming litter culprits really are your disposable barbecues. And we're just leaving sort of season for disposable barbecues. There's been a, a lot thing. about disposable barbecues this year. Obviously with the drought um, yeah. this year, it's been a real highlight on disposable barbecues because they've caused... A lot, a lot of fires. Of um, I actually live quite close to the New Forest, mm. and a lot of the supermarkets within the vicinity of the New Forest joined a, a campaign or a pledge or something along those lines where they wouldn't sell them because they knew that if you were buying one in Lindhurst, it, people were going to go and sit in the New yeah. Forest. And you're not allowed to barbecue there anyway, apart from in the designated spots. So they actually stopped selling them around the New Forest to try and stop burning Well, I the think the supermarkets down. in general got got um, a lot of criticism for continuing to sell them during this drought period that we had, this extraordinary weather we had this year. Um, So I think they possibly, all of them, had to have a hard look at what they were doing. I think, obviously, like you said, with the drought, but in general, people probably would have noticed a slight increase in fires. I mean, even in the UK, we had wildfires this year. And so we really don't need another another cause of that the other thing that comes under flaming litter are the chinese lanterns that people set off which is obviously like essentially a little fire that acts like a small hot air balloon yes and people release them and they're very pretty but that fire typically lands somewhere and again there are well yes and they're not problematic they're not only bad for that but they're one of the things that were highlighted terrible for wildlife yes because um, wildlife get caught up in them they ingest them they eat them they, they're terrible yeah. things so yeah so beyond just our bits of plastic that we drop we've also got ones that can cause risk to animals through literal fire and, yeah. and um, uh, habitat destruction the other impact which i don't think we'll go into too much detail um because again maybe an episode for another day but it is october and October sees a month-long campaign called Unblocktober, um, which I think was launched in 2019. And it's essentially a campaign to try and get people to be mindful of what they put down their drains. Can you count it as litter? 
maybe not too sure but essentially it's it's about trying to learn how to dispose of like your cooking oils and fats and, and things like that because that then ends actually up you the can river. count it as litter i think you definitely can count it as litter because you'd be you wouldn't be surprised you'd be surprised at what people actually put down their toilets and put down their sinks and yeah. a lot of it i mean people I was reading people are putting face masks and flushing face masks. Face masks are another massive litter problem. Face masks is the new litter problem, yeah. actually. Again, having a massive effect on wildlife because people are just dropping face masks everywhere. And, of course, they've got plastic in them, but they've also got elasticated um, uh, string on them. Yeah, which is get stuck around things are getting, and Wildlife's getting caught up on it. They're, they are becoming a, a, a problem in their own right, too. So, anyway, sorry what's it called unblocktober yeah so it is essentially people often you know if you have a saucepan that's got oil in it people pour it down their drains that's a lot worse than you would think and so it's about finding ways to actually dispose of that without it ending up in the rivers and seas uh, because they then not only is it a pollution problem which again causes issues for fish and all the rest of the aquatic wildlife but it's also something that costs us a lot of money because blockages and sewer issues then have to be have to be dealt with. So October, I did read a little bit about this. It is the world's first month-long campaign and uh, to raise awareness, yeah. but also to get people to change their habits of what they're throwing down the sink and throwing down the toilet or flushing down the toilet for a month. And it was launched in 2019. Four and a half thousand people in the UK signed up for it. And pledged to change their kitchen and bathroom habits in that uh, at home and at work, and um, but this has now risen to thirty-two thousand in twenty twenty-one, and this year I think they're hoping that that figure is going to go up, to go up again. And um, so it's everything from dangerous liquids that people are putting down the sink. From uh, you're absolutely right, people don't realise when they're washing their cooking oil down or uh, cooking sauces is another one yeah. which has got a lot of oil and and um, stuff in it, um, putting it down their kitchen sinks. Cotton buds that people put in. Yeah. 1.8 billion cotton buds we put down our toilets every year. Yeah, again, I find that baffling because it goes in the bin. Yeah, 1.8 billion we flushed down the toilet for some reason. I have no idea why. You can actually now also get, which I would uh, recommend, is you can get cotton buds that are made out of bamboo and things like that that aren't made out of plastic yeah. one, one of the other bad things which i'm not i'm not quite sure how you resolve this is condoms condoms going down the toilet of course is a really bad thing yeah but didn't think i'm not that. quite sure what, what else you're meant to do well, with them put them in the bin put them in the bin i guess that's, but that's, what are they going to do go to a landfill yeah but so it's still better than going straight into the rivers it is better than that, I guess. But um, it, that's one of those things where I think you're going to struggle to change people's attitude. On yeah, that. but again, I find that weird because I don't think I've ever put one in a toilet. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to comment. Um, yeah, I think the unblocktobery people. There's always the three P's. So it's like pee, poo, paper. Those are the only three things that should go into a toilet. Um, yeah. And another interesting debate is the fact that how many wet wipes are marketed as washable and how few of those actually are wash- uh, like flushable. Sorry, not washable, flushable. Yes, this is fine to flush logo, yeah. isn't there? And, that um, comes up. Does that mean if they, the fine they to degrade. flush logo is on there, they're okay? Or, Sometimes. Not, or are you saying that some... Not always. Yeah, some brands put it on there, but it's not necessarily yeah, true. Yeah, I think it depends on... So they will make claims that they degrade an X amount of time and then right. studies have found that they don't always adhere to that um 
I think you have to find the hundred percent plastic free ones. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's another thing. Some of them are made with plant fibers, aren't yeah. they? Those yeah, are good I'm ones. Sure they are better. But um, um, I feel like we've been talking lots of doom and despair. Yeah. So should we just throw in a bit of let's do good some news good stuff, stuff. And things that we can do and yeah. some good organizations as so well so i've got sort of three categories for the the good stuff yeah the the things that we can like take part in so like the individual actions that people can take to just try and help the organizations that are running yeah a variety of campaigns to try and help and then what societal change when we when people say oh you know we need societal change to address this what that actually means yeah. and what it would look like and is it feasible? So we'll start off with the, the nice stuff that we can do. And and as I said at the start, uh, it's, it can be daunting because there's a lot of plastic out there. And ultimately, you still end up putting it somewhere. But getting it out of the forests, the rivers, the seas, that while it, it still has the issue of going to landfill, it takes away some of that immediate impact on the wildlife. Um, it removes it from yes, and that the pollution ecosystem. into the soil and the pollution into yeah. the to the uh, the water and the and the rivers, etc. Yeah. So. so from that point of view, it's still really important. Um, and so of the obvious one is go litter picking. Essentially, oh, I've got a really good fact about about litter picking and how good it is. There are some there are some. There's always some people that are critical of it, saying that actually it's a waste of time and you should be solving the issue at source rather than just going and picking up stuff that's been washed up on a beach or whatever. Yeah, hence my preamble. Hence your preamble. However, litter picking, this is only a fact I picked up from 2019, so I don't have any more up-to-date facts. Some of the that. surveys disappeared during COVID, to yeah. be fair. So apparently in 2019, litter pickers picked up a million bags worth of litter, which equated to 4,300 tonnes of oh, litter from the beaches, the streets and the parks. And that's a fantastic amount of litter that yeah. they've picked up and taken away that risk to wildlife and pollution. And And it really, really is a worthwhile thing. Yeah. And and I, you know, I love seeing the, the people on the beach. I'm, I live... For 10 minutes from the beach and we have organized litter picking on our beach that is done on a weekly uh, basis from volunteers locally but aside from that i often see just random people picking up because uh, i i walk quite early in the morning taking pictures of birds on the beach and i often see um it's sometimes the same people but i often see people with a bag and a litter picker yeah early in the morning picking up stuff when the tide's out and and it's brilliant yeah it's and it, absolutely uh, like brilliant we said to see. obviously that litter then gets moved somewhere maybe it's landfill maybe it's recycled depending on how people organize it but it, yeah, it does remove the risk that a bird is going to eat it yeah um it also if it's floating around the sea it speeds up things like the production of microplastics it removes it from yeah. that so it still has a real genuine impact that's positive a genuine impact uh, on the local wildlife and the the plastics and the litter problem is a is a global thing, but it has an impact locally. And then if we start tidying up all the local areas, that then has a an impact much more widespread. Well, there's also a social impact as well because I was reading about um, the effect of a, a an area that's heavily littered will will often um, create a reduction in the pride of that area. Yeah. 
and that really does and and they've done there's a lot of study that's been done on it this is not just uh, people saying that that's the inevitable outcome but it it certainly does um, lead to an increase in crime but also if people tend to see a heavily littered littered area they will themselves litter in that area so that social that social psychology of a littered looking area, area and looking after you and having a pride in your town and your local area and your green space um i think has an effect on the way people coming into that area perceive it yeah. and will also behave it's a behavioral thing so you, i have found it's quite a um it's a bit of a habit and you end up so i i bought a little collapsible foldable litter picker uh, from a great company called waterhall who are based in um Cornwall and and their company's brilliant. They make great sunglasses as well, which we also both oh, have. Oh, we a bought pair sunglasses. Of. They're made out of recycled fishing, fishing nets, nets yeah, which so is a brilliant thing. They're based yeah on the coast of Cornwall, and they they drag fishing nets out the sea and then turn them into litter pickers and and sunglasses. And so great idea, awesome organisation. And they do a little collapsible one that I just keep in my rucksack. And I started when I used to walk to university each day, just doing it on my walk, and then it ends up just being quite habitual at the point where i went for a tour around that local nature reserve with um with one of the guys who looks after it a lot and he you just can't he can't help himself if he sees something he picks up he's got a bag in his bag and it just becomes like a yeah it becomes like a habit and it's it's weirdly enjoyable you wouldn't think it would be because it's it's a sad thing to see but it's yeah it's, it's almost like a it's quite a I don't, it's a weird thing to call fun, but it's an almost fun activity just to sort of go around. I think it's a real it. feel-good thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you've got that thing down on your agenda there. Take three for the sea. I yeah. was reading about that's a good thing. They're a, another brilliant organisation. And the take three for the sea obviously rhymes, but it, it, it applies to all of the areas. And, and their idea is you don't need to go to the beach with a litter picker and specifically spend an hour cleaning up. But if you go for a walk to the beach, just remove three items. Yeah. And so then it, the idea is if everybody removes three items every time they go to the beach, it gets tidied up quite quickly. And yes, because not everyone's going to want to take a, a litter picker and a bag, and a bag out, yeah. which is a plastic bag and um, invariably. But uh, that's a really good idea, yeah. isn't it? Because it's not... It's not a big deal having to do that. You pick up three items. Yeah, and again, if everybody dispose of them items. in a bin or take them home with you, that's a brilliant thing. Yeah, to do. and so that's a, a more um, accessible route. So not having to think, oh, have I got a litter picker? Have I got the time? It's just if you see three pieces, just actually. I'm sorry, just to interject there. I need to have a little rant. Okay. Because it's only going to be a very short rant, and I, and I, but it needs to be said. I go out and about a lot taking pictures of birds, as, as I'm sure you all know by now. And this is another thing. I went, I meant to add it to my, there are things that I don't understand. Sorry, Harry, I didn't really mean that. Um, one of the things I don't understand are dog owners that go out and pick up their dog poo and Can't put it in bag. a bag. And then they throw the bag in the grass verge. It would have been better to leave the dog poo. Well... On the ground. I will interject there slightly. It's got to be slightly better. I will say that it isn't is it? baffling. However, I think a lot of the awareness around the issue with dog poo is the fact that it can be detrimental to kids if they put their hand or step in it. It's, I can't remember, is it, is it blind? Blindness? There, there's something really yeah, bad. They, they, well, they get that from bird poo as yeah, well. Yeah, so there's they? something really not good about yeah. it from health. So bagging it up removes that issue. Um, but then, yeah, throwing it's still it is, don't it's still understand baffling. the concept of that. It, it baffles me. Uh, 
I'll, I'll stop ranting. Yeah, that is that is another one which which we haven't, yeah. haven't really touched on. So yeah, so litter picking in general is a good is a good thing to do. One of my favourite ways of approaching this, which I was actually going to write an article on, is using your interests to make litter picking accessible. So we've mentioned you might walk the beach. You've mentioned you're out with your camera. Yeah. You see it. If you yeah. have a bag, then you're not going out specifically to litter pick, but you're out anyway. Yes. So you're using your interest. And this is quite a good way of getting people uh, sort of more passionate about it because the people who are out in nature are the ones who typically want to look after it more. If you love going out and photographing birds, you'll have that incentive to yes. keep it clean. We used to do it when we mountain walked. Yeah. If you like being on mountains, you want to keep them clean. And so it's sort of connecting your interest in being in nature with the litter picking. So you do it sort of hand in hand but beyond that it's finding slightly more inventive passions to link so things like paddle boarding and kayaking oh yes you've done paddle boarding litter picking yeah haven't so you? this is where um Which sounded great fun planet patrol come in because they organize a lot of these all over the uk from river thames i did it in the river hamble everywhere and it's normally a, a paddle board sometimes it's a kayak and essentially we had a paddle board with one of those big like buckets that you get for gardening strapped to the front we had a pair of gloves and, and a litter picker and we went for a nice paddle down the river we had lovely weather it was very serene or, or scenic rather and then not only were we collecting stuff out of the water we also would periodically just sort of just beach the paddleboard, hop onto these little like mud flat islands collect a bunch of bottles i found a frisbee and a hat stick it on jump back on the paddleboard and go down the river and so we had a lovely evening of paddleboarding and we clean the river. What a great thing. That's a great idea. I really I really like that idea. Yeah, so it's, a, again, another way of sort of linking. It, it got me out on a paddleboard. Yeah. I had a lovely evening, but we also did something quite good with it. Um, and, and, yeah, we love kayaking down yeah. rivers because there's something absolutely lovely about that. It's wonderful to do that. So um, And so the easiest way to sort of get into that is to look for these events. But you can also, if you have a paddleboard on a kayak, again, it's about making it not an inconvenience it's not like i've got to go out specifically to do it you tie it into something that you would be doing yeah anyway mountain biking yes. whatever it is yeah. most of the time you've got a bag so that from an action point is one of the most obvious if there's litter remove the litter the other thing that people can do is try and reduce their not dropping litter but their waste in general so it's things like plastic-free shampoos and... Yeah, single-use plastics. As we've said, um, yeah. if you're in a coffee shop, use your own coffee cup or sit in and have the coffee. Yeah. Don't Because one of the issues with coffee cups is they're, they're made of cardboard. People think they're recyclable. They're not. They have like a little funny plastic lining to yes. keep them insulated. Yeah. Um, so they're not recyclable. And you'll see companies like talking about making... Uh, biodegradable cups it's, it's really not the answer the answer is just everybody's got a flask or a cup somewhere if you haven't they're like three pounds in sainsbury's just just take one just with take you take your own cup in there um so it's that's just comes around sort of a few lifestyle habity change things that people can do uh, identify where you're producing a lot of waste and try and yeah i think people i think also there's maybe not such an awareness of we talked about microplastics earlier on and there's a lot of cosmetic yeah. products that have microplastics in even as, like toothpaste and things like that so you can you can look for plastic free cosmetics yeah so that side of say changing our actual lifestyles and, and that that is another thing that people can do and again maybe an episode in itself about how to live a slightly lower waste lifestyle um yeah we were going to go on to that weren't we but i think but it's um, getting it's getting longer yeah. so moving on from the stuff that we can do as individuals to some of the the bigger changes 
Now we've we've spoken a few we've spoken about a few good organisations and, and my couple of my favourites are um like I said Planet Patrol are, are brilliant because they do things like the paddleboarding and it really does get people out there taking part. But they also do brand audits and so they have an app and essentially if you've picked up little even if you're not part of their event, just in general, you you take a picture of the stuff you've picked up. You if it's Coca Cola, you put Coca Cola and it adds up for essentially a big survey to see who are the yeah. where's most of the litter coming from yeah and that then they then go to these companies and say look x percentage of litter we find is from your organization so you need to find more sustainable ways to package your goods so they're good from that point yeah. of view as we've mentioned uh, keep britain tidy yes that's a really good one i've been doing quite a bit on there and they that's good as well because they do quite a lot uh, about the wildlife and yeah, the impact quite a lot on about community and mental health yes, and stuff exactly, like that yeah. as well um you also have rubbish walks and uh these are people who do the walks with the litter bits and they organize it but they also campaign to make it more accessible and there's a brilliant guy on um twitter who, who sort of runs it called uh who does a campaign called blitz the butt and he's the guy who's out there collecting unholy amounts of cigarette butts oh, bucket loads yeah, I, it's, I, the pictures on his website are incredible yeah and it went his original goal was one million i think he's surpassed that now and he's going for like 10 million yeah. and his content is really good they also have uh, the campaign called bubbles not balloons and so instead of releasing plastic balloons you you do they've got like vegan plastic free bubble mixtures and so to celebrate you release bubbles instead of balloons which is which is quite cool you've also just got the the general typical eco charities friends of the earth the rivers trust um sas who are surfers against sewage they all do a lot of campaigns. we like the rivers trust yeah i work for the rivers trust i do have to <laughs> i do have to point out that everything i say on the podcast is my own view and it's nothing to do with them it is it is just me but you i have to put that disclaimer yeah. in <laughs> but i do have obviously a soft spot for them because i work for them um I've, so, got, I've got clean up britain down here as well which yeah. is another good site um and loads of stuff they do lots of campaigns uh, on a regular basis and that's a really so good thing again as always we'll, i'll stick a link to all these organizations in the show notes because they have a lot more detail about sort of specific impacts especially around like very niche litter um problems and also some of the things that they and, and we can do and then beyond the actual in, uh, the actual activity of cleaning up litter the other thing is the societal change and i'll just cover two things really quickly about what that could look like one is something we mentioned in our coffee episode and it's the idea that supermarkets would have those bit like a whole food shop would but you'd see it in asda would be a, a like bulk buying loose food so you can go and refill your pasta yeah. refill your coffee yeah. and so again if you think of how many plastic packages of pasta we throw out you'd just go and be able to refill i don't know a metal container so it's changing it from a societal point of view where the norm is you go into your supermarket and you refill all your packages instead of having to keep buying plastic yes, packaging yeah. uh, but we're sadly quite a long way away yeah, from i think that. the supermarkets tried to do this thing where they were getting you know when you go and buy your veg in a supermarket and you grab one of those little plastic bags to put the veg in they've yeah. tried to change those plastic bags more to paper bags but i don't know whether they're still doing that on a well you know on a big scale yeah i haven't seen it sainsbury's sell like a little reusable it looks like a really big marble bag like a little white netted bag and i have two of those and then you just put it in that essentially because they have the obviously you can weigh your uh, stuff and get a ticket and so i either just don't put it in a bag and it just goes straight into my rucksack as a loose potato 
or I put it in one of these little like net yeah. bags. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. A refillable yeah. solution would be a really good and thing. And we're even seeing it more like this, just starting to do loose like mushrooms and yeah. stuff. So we're, we're getting there more and more. And the other one that every environmental charity has been banging on about in the UK for a long time, because it's prevalent in Europe, is a deposit return scheme. Yeah. And this is the, it's essentially people market it as a reverse vending machine. So you take a plastic bottle, you put it into the machine and it gives you some money. Or it gives you people like it will be outside a supermarket and it'll give you a five pound voucher. The, the Scandinavian countries are brilliant yeah, at that. Germany, I think, has them as mm. well. And it's a really simple thing. And not only does it mean that people take their bottles because everybody wants, even if it's a couple of quid, people want that off their food shop. But it means that people find bottles on the floor. They'll be like, oh, I might as well grab that because that's another yeah, couple of pennies. Good incentive. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Japan has one on a train station where if you put however much plastic in you get a free train ticket and yeah. things like that so it's, it's again trying to shift the the way we approach it and trying to find those incentives to, yeah, that make definitely. people do it definitely. Um, so yeah we've spoken a lot about the way that individuals can have an impact but we also yeah, have to remember that if we it's a big societal issue that, that we need to address essentially yeah and those are all again good feel good things if we can actually implement those yeah. and get those and uh, in place i'd like to finish off on a positive note as well and i read this morning that uh, a global plastics treaty has now been agreed amongst 200 countries worldwide and they've agreed to start negotiations on an international agreement to take action on plastic crisis oh, that, that is going good news. on they've got until 2024 to um come up with a plan yeah implement a plan that they can all agree on uh, and uh, apparently they've all signed up and that's a fantastic that's a good, first step, positive step because yeah. of course as we all know plastic is the biggest problem when it comes to waste when it comes to waste so yeah that that is always it is good to see and yeah, it's, it's a massive issue and it's, it's a daunting thing to tackle. But beyond, from a selfish point of view, it, it feels good to go and pick it up and, and remove some of it. And yes, and it's not a big deal to do it no. either. And I and know you're picking up litter that some, take some idiot take has dropped. Take glove. Um, and, and you maybe feel, actually, why should I do that? Because there's some idiot that's dropped it. But it's not a reason not, not to, to do it. it. The last thing, our little plug, is there's an Instagram account called um, Clean RCs. I really hope I've got that right. It'll go in the show notes. And she's a ecology and conservation student. Again, I hope I've got that right in Cornwall. And her content on beach cleans that she does and the microplastic stuff is oh, phenomenal. That's really good. Yeah, that no, is good. Um, I, it really is great. So I will also stick her Insta in the show notes because it's a really, it just brings a lot of awareness and the way that she approaches it I think is is class. So there are lots of people out there as always we say every week doing really really good stuff. And as always we say every week all the time there are people that are doing things and and creating awareness and pushing and campaigning and shouting and you know then there is always hope yeah and we need to shout because things like deposit return schemes they're proven concepts they yeah. work everywhere we just haven't got them here so we have to keep yelling well, we until we get keep them have here. to yell at whatever government's yeah. in, in power at the time we have to just keep yelling at them and, and hope that one of them will do something <laughs> will, will listen and start to do yeah. something positive so but uh, yeah i hope it hasn't been too doom and gloom and i hope we've thrown some positive stuff in there yeah and i hope the the takeaway message is that it's we can all have an impact on the litter and take three wherever you go take i can't three. say take three to see because it's probably copyright yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, great. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, Thank I've, you for I've enjoyed doing that one. So um, yeah, so I learned quite a lot a, about it. It's a positive thing, and um, yeah. So yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thanks very see much. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>